the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. As always, when we hear this theme music, we bring in Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist at Briefing.com. How are you, Dr. Jeff? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Um, a lot of business news or a lot of uh, economic news today or, or not so much? Not so much. It's been a quiet beginning of the week, and we had some home sales data come out. Uh, existing came out on Monday, which were a little bit light. And new home sales came out today, which were fantastic. The question is, which is the real uh, trends? Are we seeing weakening demand for homes, or are we seeing strengthening demand for homes? And I I am leaning more towards uh, the home market is not in that great footing, and uh, things will likely get worse in the coming months. With that said, are you predicting the higher interest rates make it worse? Is it the affordability? Is it the uh, you know low interest rates for such a long period of time that you know if we wanted it we got it so to speak? Where, where are you looking at? It's kind of all of the above. The, the way I see it is that affordability conditions have notably weakened. We know that interest rates have gone up and mortgage rates have gone up uh, since the lows, which make things more difficult. Income growth is pretty weak, so we're not seeing the uh, first-time homebuyer being able to come in based on income growth. You have people that are still underwater or close to being underwater that don't have enough money to have a bigger down payment, so to speak, to step up to a larger house because there's no uh, you know, gains on, on their current home. So that's limiting supply. So when you add everything together, there's just not enough room for for continued gains. And this month, we noticed a big drop off in investor demand, which is normal considering the um, the investors that were going for distressed properties looking for deals, they don't longer exist because the the amount of foreclosures has, has softened. So, you know, we're left with just a bad... Know, or unstable uh, footing for future gains, and I don't see much growth in the, in the near future because of that. So where does that leave the U.S. economy if the housing market stalls a bit? Well, it depends. If it's just the existing homes, it's not going to be too detrimental to economic growth. And economic growth, I mean GDP growth. Just because uh, the existing home sales data doesn't really flow into GDP calculations very much. 
the only thing that they get accounted for is the uh, realtor fees. Uh, if we look at the new home sales, we had a great uh, number. You had a very low supply. You had an NH NAHB number that came out last week that was at uh, like nine-year highs, signaling that builders should continue construction amid this kind of weakening uh, overall sector. And if that's true, that could lead to economic growth because that's residential investment and that, that spurs job gains in the construction industry and all the subsidiaries that fit into with the construction industry, and that's good. And we haven't really had a uh, construction rebound to pull up economic growth that we normally would get uh, after a recession. So, you know, it depends on what area you're looking at. If the gains in the new home sector are real, you know, that, that's good for economic gains. Speaking of economic gains, uh, retail sales have been kind of sloppy. I can't really put a finger on the pulse per se. Uh, it seems like the middle class is struggling, the lower class is struggling, but the numbers that are coming in in retail sales seem to be uh, sloppy at best. Uh, I would agree with that. And outside the auto industry, you know, the, the actual retail sales data has been, you know, ugly. Uh, yeah, I've been using ugly a lot. It's pulled down uh, economic growth in the um, compared to the, the second quarter in my estimate for the third quarter. Uh, one thing going for it is that the real number has been much better than expected just because uh, inflation levels have declined in the last month. But you know, overall, we've had weak income growth. We had that you know, not-so-great jobs report that came out in the beginning of the month. Uh, we're still seeing increases in savings uh, in the general trend, which means that you know, even though we're having small income growth, a lot of that is being offset by increased savings and not transferring to consumption gains. So we have the ability to lower our, our savings rate according to our debt ratios, but we choose not to. And it's uh, limiting uh, economic potential. I think at the beginning of the year, I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. I think at the beginning of the year, the story was job growth will improve in the second half of the year. Europe will start to get a little bit better. Um, where are we now as far as looking at the world, uh, United States, Europe, and China in the back half of the year? I mean, the U.S., the side point to good job growth. I mean, you look at that initial claims number over the last three months. You know, we've had, you know, trends below 300,000. Historically, these are levels that normally correlate with uh, full employment. Uh, I would argue that we're nowhere near full employment right now. So if that's the case, we should see substantial job gains so that we could, uh, you know, reach full employment. Uh, Europe is being Europe. I mean, it's been weak all year. It, it's probably going to be weak next year. I mean, there's a lot of structural and fiscal problems in Europe that I don't see being um, – you know, completely taken away, uh, and until that happens, you know, potential growth is going to be lower and economic gains will be lower. China is being China. You know, we're, we're it's going through a slowdown, uh, which we've known was going to happen because it couldn't keep pace at what it was doing, you know, in the previous several years. But it's not in a bad spot necessarily, I and mean, th there's some concerns about. Uh, the construction uh, sector, especially the amount of, you know, quote, ghost cities that have been built over the last few years that have spurred economic development, but they've been wasted capital. 
And, uh, you know, in time, that's going to catch up to them, and it's going to hurt future job gains. But uh, right now, everything seems to be on on an okay footing. Anything else that you're working on, Dr. Jeff, that you want to share with our audience as far as maybe something that's upcoming, something that's important to you, something that's a big flag? Yeah, I think that we're still waiting to see what happens um, next week with the September job numbers. I, I think everything revolves around jobs. Uh, last week you had um, a little bit of a surprise when uh, the, the FOMC didn't change their wording on um, you know when rates are going to change, and a lot of that is because no one really understands what the job situation actually is. You know, as I mentioned before, if you look at the initial claims number, you know, job growth should be strong. The employment sector is extremely healthy. However, if you look at the actual payroll numbers, you know things aren't as as, as great as, as they seem. Uh, it's interesting. The, you know, no one really knows what's going on in the job market and in the job sector. And if anybody says they know, they're they're, in my opinion, you know, lying to you, <laughs> or they just don't understand. I mean, the Atlanta Fed puts out a uh, new indicator, and then they call it a spider graph, and it's got you know, 12 or something like that, different indicators around in a point, and they make a graph, and you look at it, and you go, how do you read this thing? You know, and this is what Janet Yellen and the FOMC are looking at. Uh, Kansas City came out with some sort of momentum job numbers and and current job uh, stabilization by creating an index of of different uh, employment indices. You know, it's all a bunch of, you know, unknown, trying to get some kind of grasp idea so they're all throwing everything at the book, hoping that something looks good so that they can make an indicator. And, and right now, it's just very confusing because nothing is conforming with what you know normal correlations would, would, would suggest. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com, a great resource uh, for starting your day with investment knowledge, whether it's domestic, U.S., and or international markets, whether it's tied towards the economy, whether it's tied towards big stories, whether it's tied towards momentum stocks, whether it's tied towards trading ideas. Uh, Briefing has a little bit of everything, and I do like it enormously as a resource. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Jimmy Choo is set to come public. Jimmy Choo is a maker of expensive shoes. So what do I add to that story? Probably a little bit of nothing. Um, Other than, again, publicly traded companies differ like gold and clay. You could actually buy a shoe company, which is interesting of note. Um, One thing that I do like in the investment market is buybacks. Companies love to tout their stock buybacks. I prefer dividends over buybacks, but... Buybacks are okay as well. Um, Savvy investors know that it's a seemingly lucrative event, but it can distort the aspects of a stock enormously. Buybacks look like a win for everybody. The company uses excess cash to buy its own shares. That reduces shares outstanding, thus dividing the company's profit into fewer, larger slices. The result is a lift to earnings per share. Investors who study these events know to be aware of that kind of distortion, though, because companies spent, for instance, $116 billion during the second quarter buying back their own shares. That was enough buying power to boost earnings per share by about 4% um, or more at 23% of the companies in the S&P 500. Now, you have to watch that because the earnings power is distorted there. 
Um, it's a little bit of financial engineering that creates that 4% left. And if a company isn't as profitable or fast-growing as it appears, you may want to lower what you're paying for it in the future and or understand that buybacks do dry up. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.